Hi, how you doing? Welcome to my podcast, A Design for Life. How to survive and thrive at life. My name's Phil Mears, entrepreneur, mindset coach, and I want to share with you my life lessons and how I learned to survive some unbelievable life traumas. But also, from that, I designed a successful life for myself. I'll also share with you my harrowing backstory and how I can help you with not just the big life-affirming challenges and changes you want to make to your life, but also the little everyday challenges when you're feeling a little bit disorientated and you maybe need a little bit of a boost to get you going again. This podcast is where you'll discover my secrets of how to apply a positive mindset to uplift your life when you're feeling a bit stuck, maybe don't know which way to turn. And you will be able to thrive in ways you've never before imagined and perhaps start living the best life you can. I'm excited to have you with me here, so thanks for tuning in. Hi guys, how you doing? Welcome back to this week's episode of this podcast. And it's going to be a testy one this week because in this episode, I'm going to be covering the subject of how to be the perfect parent by following two fundamental rules and one consuming desire. Well, maybe not the perfect parent, because as we all know, there's no such thing. We're all just trying our best. But there are, in my opinion, two fundamental rules and a consuming desire that, when followed, can ensure that our kids grow up with as rounded and solid a foundation as possible. Now, if I make a statement like that, I know that it's naturally going to attract doubters, unbelievers and haters. I'm prepared for that and I don't care because my belief is based on a childhood of prolonged and repeated mistakes that I endured as a result of my feckless, selfish parents and years of analysing how different things could have been if they just stopped and considered the consequences of their life choices. And for me, it comes down to two essential rules and one consuming desire. And I'm going to share with you some snapshots of my childhood, just as an illustration of how I came to this belief, and how following these two fundamental rules and the one consuming desire worked out for me and my children, and how I believe it can work out for you. So where does it all begin? Well, you've moved away from your parents' home, got your own place, and you're maybe in your 20s and life is sweet. You can put whatever furniture you want in your place, not have to go to your bedroom and play music and have parties whenever you like, with friends crashing all over the place and not having to kick them all out and get the place clean before your parents come home. And then best of all, everything in your fridge is all for you. And then you meet someone and you have a kid and suddenly shit gets real and life gets serious. So the enormity of, of this responsibility in your hands begins to dawn on you and you don't feel ready. Well, few people do. Perhaps now you start analysing your own parents and the relationship you have with them now. This is where things begin to get more complicated because on the one hand, you will be critical of them and on the other, you will need their support and advice. Confusingly, you'll have the luxury of seeing them as mentors and at the same time being critical of the mistakes they made. You'll also have the added complication of your relationship with your partner's parents and how they were as parents and the influence that all the grandparents will have on your child, good or not so good. It's a minefield, isn't it? But in the back of your mind, you're perhaps thinking, I'm not going to turn into my parents. I won't do this and I won't do that. And that's admirable. 
in theory, but as any parent will tell you, in practice, it's something different. I remember saying to my wife when we got our first child, I would not use the word no. I'd rather explain what he's doing is wrong and show him the right way instead. Yeah, I know, I can hear you all now. It lasted seconds until it became, no, don't do that. No, put that down. No, don't touch. No, no, no. And if you're anything like I was, you may begin to overthink every scenario, trying to anticipate how you'll react when this or that happens. And this can turn to a lot of stress. Perhaps like me, you didn't have a very good childhood and your parents did a crap job of bringing you up. In which case, that lack of mentorship adds its own pressures, increases the amount of stress. And how do you begin to be a good parent when your own childhood was so shit? How do you avoid repeating the mistakes your parents made? Well, here's rule number one, and it's a big one. Make sure you have children with the right person. Now, firstly, children do not happen by accident. They happen as a result of the conscious act of two people having sex. Therefore, two people have the responsibility to ensure that if they do not want to create an additional life with this person, then there are precautions you can take. If you do not want to create a child and you do not take precautions repeatedly, then guess what's going to happen? So I'm afraid that when you are young and reckless and you're having a great time with one partner or multiple partners and you, in inverted commas, accidentally end up creating a life, you have created for yourselves the mother of all responsibilities. And if the person you are having the child with is not someone that you are ready to spend the next 20 years in a warm, supporting and loving relationship whilst living under the same roof, co-parenting this creature that is going to test your endurance to limits you cannot comprehend, then you've made a massive mistake. And the one person who will pay the highest price is the child. Now I've heard from my clients this rhetoric of, well, they weren't like that before we had kids. Or, I didn't know they'd be like that once we had kids. Or I thought they would change. Well, this is all bollocks because unless you know and I mean really no, and you're not kidding yourself that this is the right person to have children with, then don't. Children deserve better. The consequences of getting rule number one wrong are a life full of battles, bitterness and resentment for you and the other parent and permanent lasting effects on the childhood caught in the middle. Such was my experience growing up. If you are a single parent, then the chances are that you've fallen foul of rule number one. Sure, you wouldn't be without your children. Of course, I understand that. But you will rue the day that you had children with that person. Rule number one is so important. And I've often wondered what my childhood would have been like if either of my parents had been supplemented for someone else and they'd followed rule number one. As a child, I would frequently lie awake in bed at night, listening to my parents downstairs, shouting and screaming at each other. Things would be thrown across the room, hitting the walls and sending shockwaves through my body. I could hear my father slapping and punching my mother and her goading him and spitting obscenities at him. This would not be confined to the downstairs either. They would run up and down the stairs, still shouting and screaming and slamming doors. Occasionally, my mother would run into mine and my brother's bedroom 
to escape my father, who would then follow her and drag her out, often by her hair. And it would continue. Only now, the safety of our bed and our bedroom would be gone because the, the bedroom door would be open and it would feel more threatening because it would feel like we're part of it now. And whilst lying in bed, I wouldn't hide under the covers because I wouldn't be able to see the threat coming for me. And I've never done that. Often you hear of children when they're scared, they will hide under their duvet or hide under their covers. That's never been the way for me because if there was a threat coming for me, I wanted to see it way before it got close to my bed. So sometimes these arguments between my parents would end with my mother coming into the bedroom and getting us out of bed and telling us we had to leave in the middle of the night. And eventually we'd end up in some different town, miles away from everything we knew, with few possessions and have to begin a new life. Sometimes we'd get up in the morning, it would be like nothing had happened apart from this toxic atmosphere in the house. I could tell my mother would be seething and sometimes she'd have visible bruises. And I knew that she would at some point take her anger and frustration out on me. I'd sit at the breakfast table being quite withdrawn but certainly being as quiet as possible so not to attract the attention of my mother. One of her favourite tricks during these times was to take the hot spoon that she had just stirred her tea with and put it on the back of my hand shouting wake up as if I was asleep. Perhaps I was a bit drowsy because I'd been kept awake all night due to the disruption of the fighting and then lying awake there with the anxiety and fear of it all beginning again. And just because we'd woken up that morning in our beds and not been taken away in the dead of night to somewhere far away didn't mean that we'd be sleeping in our own beds again that night. Sometimes my mother would announce as soon as I came through the door when I came home from school, we were leaving there and then, off somewhere new, leaving behind the home, school and the life I knew and also much of my possessions, toys, etc. So obviously, when I became a parent, I didn't want any of this disruption for my kids. That leads me to not only reiterate the importance of choosing the right partner to have children with, but also to ensure that you maintain that relationship with them as a co-parent, to work together and support each other and treat the project of being parents as a joint venture with joint responsibility, but also joint forgiveness when each of you fuck up, as you will, even if you're a single parent. This all sounds very simple and very beautiful in a perfect world, totally workable, but the reality is it's messy. You're going to fall out with each other and you will argue and maybe you'll throw the best china across the room and your kids will see it and they will be scared. So what do you do then? You do what my parents should have done and would have done if they'd got rule number one right. You make sure you have children with the right person. You make up in front of your children. You put as much effort into making up and clearing up if you have to together in front of your children as you did when you were fighting. Kids need to see that if you fight and you will that it's a temporary thing. It has no lasting effect. Nobody was to blame and that you still love each other and you will still be there for each other and for them after the fight. This is a natural thing and means no more than a temporary glitch. That's the impression they'll grow up with of a row and that there's no need to be scared and that you don't blame each other 
you don't bear a grudge and you make up afterwards and all is well. And that's the understanding that they will then take into their own relationships when they get older. I see parents now where they take time to reassure and comfort their children when things go wrong in the family unit. There's this modern sensibility of talking to children and including them and considering their feelings of how they might be processing things. And that's all great and that's important. But I'm also aware through my coaching of a lot of self-flagellation of parents over the mistakes that they've made and how they believe they may have scarred their children forever. I've even heard of parents splitting up as a preventative measure forever having cross words in front of their kids because they believe that their children should never be exposed to any kind of disagreement, ever. But I also feel this is unrealistic. I believe that children should learn conflict resolution in the home before they do anywhere else. Because let's face it, where they're going to experience any kind of conflict and therefore resolution first. Way before they begin socialising with other kids, they're going to see it in the home. If a child sees his parents fight, no matter how intensely, but he witnesses the resolution also, then he will grow up with a balanced view of what a relationship is. And yes, you fight, but because there is love, you resolve it. And you do reassure the children after he has seen that you make up and then everything is better. Remember, you can't bullshit kids because they are more perceptive than you think. I would often see through the lies I was told by my parents as they tried to mask their inadequacies and failure. And I still remember them to this day. So don't lie to them. They'll just end up questioning how trustworthy you are. How do you avoid that? Well, you get rule number one right for a start. You can't do that if you're with the wrong person because the row becomes about blame, resentment and point scoring and ultimately destruction. Destruction of the partner, destruction of the peace and comfort of the home life and destruction of the child's trust in you and your partner. So rule number one is very important. And given the illustration from my own childhood that I mentioned earlier on, I guess you can see why I believe this. I don't want to make this sound like a lecture from someone who thinks he is now the perfect dad because neither of those statements are true. This is neither a lecture nor am I the perfect dad. But I do believe that there are too many children born into this world as a result of unsuitable or ill-considered unions with no thought about the consequences for the child. And as someone who was born as a consequence of those situations... I can testify to it being bloody awful start in life for any kid. But what if you got rule number one wrong? And if it's tough for you and the co-parent, well, tough is the way it's going to be, I'm afraid. It can still be workable if you follow rule number two. Okay, Phil, you've made your point. So what is rule number two? Give yourself and your partner a break. Stop overanalyzing and then crucifying yourselves because shit will happen. You will get it wrong without deep lasting effects. Crucifying yourself and each other on top of the mistake is going to prolong and deepen the experience. So let it go and learn. You don't get a handbook with each kid. We all know that. Although there are many people who've tried to write one. So you just have to learn like generations before us and generations after us. So give yourself peace. You will make mistakes, but only a fool makes the same mistakes repeatedly. So learn and don't repeat that mistake. Now, the reason I consider this important is because as a child of shit parents, I often fantasized about what it would be like 
if my parents had just learnt from their mistakes. You see, when I mentioned before about how my parents would have the most spectacular fights and my brother and I would be dragged away to some new strange place and have to start over, once we got settled, my mother would then drag us back to our father who would by now be living somewhere completely different so we would have to start again. And where I began to think about the possibility of learning from their mistakes, giving each other a bit of peace, is when this kept on happening repeatedly. And as a result, I went to 13 different schools. If at any single point in their fighting cycle, they had stopped and realised that they'd fucked up and should own up and then make up for themselves and to give each other a break because they were both on this incredibly steep learning curve, then this repeated cycle of disruption would have stopped. My brother and I would have grown up with a consistent childhood, whether my parents were together or not. And I used to wonder all through my childhood what it must be like to go to infant school, primary school and high school with the same group of friends living in the same town all the way through. I will never know or understand what that's like, but my children do. Because my wife and I got rules one and two right. And I must say that the example of my wife's family, of how a normal family conducts itself, has been an inspiration and a joy to me. Now everybody complains about family, but trust me, your family is nowhere near as bad as you think. If you can still get together in a room for a family celebration without killing each other, then it ain't that bad. Now, taking my wife and I as an example, we're not perfect. We've both made mistakes, same as everyone else in the world. But by giving each other a break when we fuck up and understanding that bringing up children together is a journey, not a destination, and that we're both making it up as we go along, according to what we believe is best, then causing any catastrophic damage to the relationship is avoided or minimised. The truth is that we're both trying our best Whilst our best might differ, recognising and giving space for each other's intentions allows us to learn and grow as parents, as a couple, as a family, as a team. And that, in my opinion, is what a strong family unit should become. A team, whether the parents are living together or not. And if my parents had got rules one and two right, or just rule two, I can't help thinking my life and my childhood would have been very different. But that's just a fantasy I've carried around with me all my life. But I've been lucky to right those wrongs with my children. So I've talked about rules one and two, and they are, in my opinion, the bedrock of a sound foundation for not repeating the mistakes of our parents and mapping the right journey for a family. And it's my belief, therefore, that by adhering to rules one and two, that the most important achievement for our kids can be gained. When I was still a kid, I used to figure out for myself that this was the single most important thing I wanted for my children. So this is my consuming desire. What I wanted most of all for my kids is consistency. Knowing as a child, when you get up, you go to school, come home, go to bed, in the same bed, in the same house, with the same people every night, go to the same school with the same group of friends every day, is a given. But it's so precious, so important, 
that I wanted my children to not even register its existence. To take all of that for granted would be, for me, the most important achievement as a parent. And they did. They had no idea that I observed all this going on day after day as they grew up. I felt a sense of pride for the consistency that I, along with my wife, had given them. My children still have friends that they see regularly from their early days at kindergarten or infant school because they grew up together in the same town. My wife and I still have friends who are the parents of those children because we've lived in the same house for 20 years. This stability and consistency is at the root of parenthood and if you're providing that for your kids then you're doing well and the rest can all be worked out. Sometimes you'll get stuff wrong as a parent, as we've already said. Shit, that's the territory we live in as parents. But when you do, you recognise it. Ask yourself what the lesson is here. And then commit to not making that mistake again. And celebrate being conscious that you care enough to want to be better. I can't help feeling that if I'd had parents like that, I would have had a wonderful childhood. Growing up in the same place with the same group of friends. So give yourself peace, if that's the case, you're winning. I don't profess to be any kind of parenting expert, other than my own observations of my own childhood. Far from it. But by sharing the understanding I now have of how badly it can go wrong, and learning from the masters of shit parenting, my parents, I can see that being conscious of the important factors, such as having children with the right person, giving yourself and each other a break for trying to be better, and giving your kids consistency, well, everything else can be built from that, can't it? I've only alluded to single parenting so far, but what if the first time it kicked off between my parents, my mother had left my violent, abusive father with my brother and I, settled somewhere else and never gone back? Well, no matter how long it took, she always went back until I was 15, and by then my childhood was over. So I can't really say, although I have thought about it very often. What if you're a single parent, and you have escaped, and you and your child or children are living away from their father or mother? You are still going to have to bear the cross of having had children with the wrong person. But if you are giving your children consistency, and you are learning from your mistakes because you're that kind of parent, the kind of parent that cares then give yourself peace because you're still a better parent than either of mine were. I believe there are a lot of parents, single or otherwise, who are struggling with feeling as though they're getting it wrong, whether it's your first child or your fifth child. But if you think about what I've talked about here and then put your situation into my perspective, then in my opinion, you're smashing it. So chill because I would have loved you to be my parents and then so will your kids. Children need mentors to show them how to be. And if they grow up thinking that the world is perfect and that their parent or parents never put a foot wrong, then they are going to struggle in the real world when they have to make decisions about how to be a parent themselves. Isn't it better to show them how to be perfectly imperfect and resilient and forgiving of themselves and others? I hope you've got some kind of takeaway from all this, even if it's just taking precautions until the right one comes along. And if they do, make sure they're on board with your plan before you bring another child into this world. 
But if you have, and you're providing consistency to the point of your kids and you don't even notice it, and you're trying to be a better parent, then you are pretty much there. So celebrate and remember you're doing a better job than my parents did. Well, it couldn't be hard, could it? Thanks for being here for another episode of my podcast, guys. And I hope you'll join me next time around. Until then, take care, stay safe. Thanks for listening to my podcast, guys. I really appreciate your company. And I hope you got something from this episode that can help you with your life. If you did, then click subscribe because I've got so much more to share with you and I don't want you to miss a thing. Also, why not bring your friends on the journey and share this podcast with them? You can post feedback in the comments section. I'd love to hear what you've got to say. Or you can get in touch with me direct by visiting my website at designforlifecoaching.com especially if you're struggling at the moment and you need a lift. In the meantime, stay safe, guys, and I look forward to catching up with you soon.